You're listening to the Niners Bros, your home for post-game analysis, correcting media narratives, and keeping you up to date on all things San Francisco 49ers. What's up, guys? I'm Michael Ditchfield. And I'm David Ditchfield, and we are the Niners Bros, or what's left of them. On this week's episode, we break down the 49ers' devastating 31-7 season-ending loss in the NFC title game against the Eagles, an Oscar-worthy game. And by that, I mean that usually the Academy Awards like to nominate three-hour movies where it's just a depiction of human misery. And I think that's a pretty apt description of this game, would you say? Yeah, just pretty much pain and suffering all the way around unless you're one of those twisted Eagles fans. Yeah, as the game wrapped up, I told you that Speaking of twisted Eagles fans, I think if you were a vindictive, mean-spirited sort of Eagles fan and last night as you lay awake in bed and you were trying to imagine all of the the best-case scenarios of what horrible things could befall the 49ers in this game, I don't know what you would have thought of. Maybe like, I don't know, like on the Eagles' first drive, like you go for it on fourth down and you don't really get it because the pass is incomplete, but the refs don't notice. So instead you you get the ball you know, inside the, the five and you score a touchdown. And then, then maybe you think like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if Brock Purdy like got hurt, like, like blew out his elbow. And then like maybe Josh Johnson comes in and like, he's been in the league 10 years, but he like doesn't know how to play quarterback or like, you know, he gets like three delay of games and then, and then he gets a concussion and goes out. And then the 49ers, Oh, that'd be so cool if they had like no quarterback for like half the game or more. And then like Nick Bosa could get hurt, but like, I'm not like, I don't know, like not like we heard him, like maybe just standing on the sideline, someone could like crash into him and have their cleat like digging into his leg. And then he could have like a puddle of blood on his knee. And then maybe like on a drive, if we can't score, we could get like a roughing the kicker, penalty because one of our offensive linemen like throws like one of their players into the kicker and the refs won't notice and speaking of things they won't notice then like maybe the refs will just like I don't know they'll like penalize the 49ers like 11 times like maybe like three or four times in one drive and then like after all that you know like we'll just we'll we'll win the game like 31 to 7 like how, how cool would that be yeah, you were right about uh, the Oscar-worthy performance. That was a lot of pain and human suffering in that one. So if you are a regular listener to this podcast, you may remember back in week 13, I spoke at length about how it was incomprehensible to me that we would be fine having Josh Johnson as our backup quarterback. Yep. I said literally incomprehensible that you could turnover a roster this deep and this talented to a guy who clearly does not have it and i hate to say i told you so but my goodness did i tell you so i i was wrong i was wrong i i fought you on that i didn't want us to put in a claim for baker mayfield i said what are the odds that purdy gets hurt well he didn't right up until the game that mattered the most right up until he did and it's so so frustrating to watch We've heard a lot of critics of Brock Purdy, or haters, I guess, if you will. There's no real fair criticism to have of the guy at this point. Um, But haters saying, oh, well, it's just all the weapons he has around him. Look at Kittle, McCaffrey, Ayuk, Debo Samuel. It's just the weapons. It's the weapons. He's got no talent. Well, enter Josh Johnson and look at what he did with those weapons. This guy looked utterly and completely lost, and that was before he had the brain injury. So he was absolutely atrocious in this game. There's no other way to say it. This man did not even take our offense to within sniffing range of a field goal. The game was over the moment Brock Purdy exited this game. And that is so frustrating for me personally, because that's exactly what I said. I said, if Josh Johnson is plan B and we get to that point, the season is over. It's just over. And I wasn't necessarily saying that Baker Mayfield was my favorite guy or the guy that we should go go after. In the end, it didn't matter because the Rams obviously put a claim in for him way before the 49ers ever could have touched him. However... I just was flabbergasted that Shanahan and Lynch would say that they were comfortable with Josh Johnson as plan B. And I think when they reiterated that several times over the last month and a half, I think what they were saying clearly was not that we are comfortable with Josh Johnson as our backup. It's that we don't think that Brock Purdy is actually going to get hurt. 
Well, he did in the first drive, and the game was over at that point. Yeah, where I couldn't have been more wrong is I remember you know arguing with you on that podcast, and what I said is, look, if Brock Purdy is our quarterback for the rest of the year because of Jimmy Garoppolo and Lance's injuries and they don't come back, then our season is over anyway. And how, how wrong was I, right? They didn't lose a game from the moment Purdy came in. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just staggering, though. I, I think... You know, we have to remember that he's a person. Josh Johnson is a person. He has a family, and I, I wish him well. But it's just staggering that anyone could play 10 years in this league. And our criticism for him on this podcast is not that he came in and played poorly. He did. You know, he, he did. He averaged like f- five yards per attempt, and um, he, he went seven for 13, uh, 5.7 yards per attempt. That's not our problem, though, is that he came in and played poorly. My problem with him personally is that he has played for Shanahan before. He's been in the league 10 years, and he came in and had three delay of games, fumbled a snap that hit him right in the hands. Twice. I have have never seen a player look less prepared for the moment than this 10-year veteran. And as you said, the game was just over, over. So am I mad at Josh Johnson? Yes, of course I am. But at the same point, I also fully acknowledge that that anger is misplaced because it's not Josh Johnson's fault. Josh Johnson has no business, no business whatsoever being on an active NFL roster, least of all the best roster in the NFL, the most complete roster in the NFL, all pros at every single level, which is the San Francisco 49ers. This man does not belong on this football team, period. And the fact that he's on this football team is not his fault, okay? It's just not his fault. Does he suck at football? Yes, he does. He sucks at football. He is really, really terrible. That's not his fault. He's doing his best. He's a lot better than I am. He's a lot better than you are, but he still sucks. The problem is, if you are looking for a job and someone says, hey, I would like to pay you a lot of money to play a game for a living, would you like to accept this job? What is he supposed to say? Oh, no thanks. I don't really want to work for an amazing organization that's probably going to bring me fame and glory. I don't really want to provide for my family playing a game. You know, like, sure. what? what is he supposed to say? If they want to pay you money to be their backup quarterback, you say yes. And then you pray, you pray that all you have to do is hold the clipboard. Maybe he was hoping to get into this game. Maybe when he was visualizing or dreaming, but at this point in his career, you can't even say that he's washed because he, he's not a has-been. He's a never-was. Yeah. This is a career practice squad player who has never seen the light of day. In over 10 seasons, he has accumulated less than one full season worth of passing stats. He does not have it. He is not it. He does not deserve the keys to the San Francisco 49ers. And as fiercely as we defend Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch on this podcast frequently we think they're a great team especially Um, obviously they have their limitations just like anybody else but we understand how difficult it is to win in this league how difficult it is to successfully draft year after year we have really stuck up for them but this is a massive failing and it's easy for me to you know play Monday morning quarterback here but I told you guys I told you about this Almost two months ago, it was incomprehensible to me that this was the guy that if Brock Purdy gets hurt, we're going to give the keys to the franchise. I just, I'm stunned. I'm devastated. I can't believe what I just watched. It didn't even feel like a real football game. (laughs) No quarterbacks, literally no quarterbacks who can throw a forward pass. How did we get here? I think the devastating thing too with this game is that you knew, you know, it's a a three plus hour game and you knew 10 minutes into it. Yeah, it's over. I mean, you you, you could try to wish on like, well, maybe if the defense, you know, if we get a pick six and it's like, well, we'll probably need like three of those um, after you watch just a little bit of Josh Johnson playing. I think the hard part about that whole thing with Josh Johnson is it's one of two things, right? Either they've been watching him in practice and he has been playing a lot better than this um, and then just completely melted in the moment to have three delay of games, you know, fumbling snaps and, snap. and just completely froze under the pressure like a like a baseball player who has the yips and, and suddenly can't make pickoff throws or okay so either that's what happened or he has looked this bad and he's not good in practice and out of some misguided sense of loyalty in Shanahan sticking with his guys they have just decided that it doesn't matter like the captains of the Titanic like oh the ship's too big it's fine 
maybe, you know, again, just playing devil's advocate here, maybe they didn't want to bring in somebody who was experienced behind Brock Purdy to kind of mess with his confidence or make him feel like he was just a few mistakes away from being replaced or benched when he was clearly the best option. You know, you you don't want to mess with a guy's psyche. So I think there is no more definitive, affirmative saying, yes, you are the guy than having Josh Johnson as your backup. So talk about a pressureless situation. Brock Purdy is the guy, and he knows it. Josh Johnson is never going to see the game unless you literally physically are not able to perform. Yeah. So we can second guess, you know, that decision and, and certainly justifiably so. But at the end of the day, when you look at the the series of things that we mentioned sort of sarcastically at the beginning that went wrong for this for this team in this game, I think it's just clear it was not in the cards today. Um, it was it was not meant to be. <laughs> yeah, we're still going to do an abbreviated sort of recap of the game for all of you masochists out there who just want to <laughs> suffer some more. But ultimately, I've. I've never seen a game. I mean, we're going to discuss the moments and the the things that that might have been, but ultimately, this game was over and Brock Purdy left the game. It it was just over. So you can say, well, oh, this happened and this happened and that happened, but ultimately, nothing mattered because the 49ers were not going to score. They simply were not going to score. Yep. Well, we've got a a format to slog through. Are you ready? We'll try to keep this brief, guys. Uh, Like like he said, I I don't know why you would want to to listen to a recap of this game. I've already put away all of my 49ers shirts from my drawer because I don't want to be reminded that the team exists. My son has a haircut that looks just like Christian McCaffrey. It's it's hard to look him in the eye. (laughs) You're not going to put him away, are you? No, no. I I just might have to change his hair. Okay, back to our format. Storylines. So for the Eagles, obviously the biggest storylines were, you know, their defensive line and how would they make Brock Purdy uncomfortable. Also, they had Avante Maddox, their slot cornerback, uh, returning. And then A.J. Brown looked a little gimpy to us. We were kind of hoping that he'd come out looking not like his explosive self in this game. The only other storyline I'll mention for the Eagles that I think is worth mentioning is that Anita Baker just botched the anthem. That was just <laughs> that was just rough to listen to. For the 49ers, how would Purdy play in the NFC Championship? Um, you know, I, I called him Purdy Pumpkin because the national media has been really getting behind him and enjoying this story, and it seemed like there was this shift where this week everyone decided that they were done rooting for him and that they were all picking Philadelphia and that he was going to just crash and burn in this game. And it started last week. A lot of people, a lot of the experts were picking Dallas, uh, which was funny because we had not really seen that sort of wavering support for Purdy. The media had been all gung-ho, but now that they're in the playoffs, all bets are off. And you all know the stats about rookie quarterbacks entering the championship game, the conference championship game, and then the Super Bowl. It just simply has not been done. So I think people are looking at history and saying, okay, well, yeah, it's probably unbelievably unlikely at this point. And now what's really cruel about this and and unfair, add it to the list of things about this game, but Brock Purdy is just going to be another one of those statistics of a rookie quarterback who did not go to the Super Bowl. So Brock Purdy is going to get credit for the loss in this one. Which is not fair. That's like a starting pitcher who gets no run support at all, pitches eight innings. Takes a comebacker off the shin. and Yeah, and then gets hung with the loss because whatever, that's baseball. Brock Purdy, you guys, has never lost an NFL game in my book. Yes, this doesn't count as a regular season loss, but in terms of playoffs, it will go down as a loss for him because he's the starter. But he threw two passes, you guys. Yes, he was technically four for four, but two of those were after his elbow was completely blown out. We still don't know what the prognosis on that is. You just hope it's not like Tommy John and reconstructive elbow surgery. Yeah, the last thing the 49ers need is another massively injured quarterback to add quarterback controversy going into next year. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit, but... Man, it's just, it's hard to watch. Yeah, other storylines for the Niners coming in. Um, Elijah Mitchell did not suit up and play, and we were curious to see how that affected the run game, but also the, the pass game. A lot of times they like to use him and McCaffrey um, in the same set. And then how would the defense contain Hurts? You know, we haven't been tested against a lot of running quarterbacks. It hasn't been a strength over the years, but those were the storylines. So let's get right into it. 49ers won the toss and deferred, which we liked. Robbie Gold with a short kick, like barely got it to the five, and it's returned to the 34. Some extracurricular stuff afterward. Greenlaw got into a bit of a, a scruff with uh, Stoll, was it? Their their backup tight end. 
um, sign of things to come that these teams yeah. for, for teams that Shippy. had not played each other and, and have no real rivalry. These teams were ready to, to fight from pretty much from the opening kickoff. So from there, um, Sanders had a first down Warner got hurt was grabbing at his shoulder and you're thinking like great great how how are we supposed to play this game without him helping cover in the slot or containing hurts fortunately I think it was a stinger he did come back yeah he was grabbing at his neck I was worried that maybe that was like a broken collarbone or maybe like a torn pec or something he was the way he was grabbing at it was really concerning but thank goodness he was able to come back on a third and eight the 49ers sent a house blitz and they almost got to Hertz. he bought just enough time to lob out a pass and just a phenomenal catch by aj brown like players making plays like it was good defense just just a better effort from him to pick yeah, up a shoestring down. a shoestring grab in the rain keeping the drive alive. Greenlaw almost got to Hertz, but credit to Hertz for making a good enough throw that his receiver was able to pull that one in. Hufunga did pick off a pass, but it was kind of well out of bounds um, in that drive. And then on third and 10, the Eagles came up a little bit short with the play to Goddard, setting up a fourth and three. And Nick Sirianni, the Eagles coach, has been super aggressive on fourth downs the whole year. And why wouldn't you be? I mean, they, they have been converting at a wild rate. Well, you know, if you were to throw an incomplete pass on the next play, that would have really, really, you know, hurt you to give the, the 49ers good field possession. But why would you do that when you can throw a 35 yard bomb down to Devonte Smith, who will make a one handed almost catch that the referees will then not see the ball hit the ground. That was a spectacular almost catch. And Jimmy Ward did actually break that up. Yep. Um, he got a little bit burned, kind of aggressive on the out route before he kind of turned it up the field. But Jimmy Ward is the one who actually uh, basically that should count as a PBU. He broke the ball up yeah. um, and that was what led to what should have been the incompletion. The TV broadcast did an absolutely splendid, splendid job of never once showing the only angle that actually clearly showed the ball moving. They showed the replay like 14 times but never showed one where you can actually see the ball. There was one time where they were going to show that angle, and right when the ball was about to hit the ground, they cut away to a different angle of the replay. It's yeah. like, what are you guys yeah, doing? Shanahan complained about this too, that you know they asked him, of course, all the, the hindsight you know, warriors asked him, why didn't you challenge that? He said, well, I was look, the one that they were showing on the field. They were showing it over and over and over again, and we couldn't see the ball move at all. Well, naturally, they show after... After the Eagles then yeah. have Sanders After walk in. After a freaking commercial yeah. break, they yeah. come back to After it. a commercial break, then they show us that obviously the ball hit the ground, which, again, this was not a third down or second down play where you, down. where you can say, well, they would have scored anyway. It was fourth down. The 49ers would have gotten the ball. Instead, Eagles keep the ball inside, you know, basically inside like the five or six yard line. And Sanders goes in untouched where, you know, 49ers linebackers are freezing, trying to watch out for Hurts, opens up a huge lane and, and he goes in seven to nothing exactly and, the way they would want to start. The and game. Philadelphia's greatest strength, of course, is their O-line. We're not going to talk smack about that. Their O-line came out and performed. Kelsey had a Trent Williams like highlight at one point in this one, just absolutely pushing pushing Dre Greenlaw down the field like he was one of those training sleds. Um, their offensive line is spectacular. They have a better offensive line than we do, and they really showed up tonight. The Eagles had a bunch of basically easy sort of walk-in, untouched rushing touchdowns. But again, so frustrating. I certainly understand when you're Shanahan there not wanting to, first off, blow a timeout in what you would expect to be a closed game, but also sure. you know, you don't want to necessarily burn a challenge if you're not sure. He had no visible angle on it. The broadcast team completely just botched all of the replays so so they're watching that in real time upstairs as well and a lot of times they're seeing those replays and then calling down and saying yes throw the flag throw the flag well the frustrating part of this is you know he was he was motioning like after he got up Monty smith he was he was motioning yeah. with his hands like quick quick, like, quick get to the line run, get run to run the play, line run a play which wide receivers pretend like they they even they think they caught it even even when it hit the ground they always think they caught it <laughs> he knew he didn't he was signaling that he didn't and still, still, the 49ers yeah, prima donna is like everything is a catch if you're a wide receiver. But yeah. yeah, he he knew that it was not a catch. Typically, when you see a receiver sort of urging the team, that would be a good sign to throw the flag. But again, this is all happening so quickly, and you want to have at least some kind of a reasonable expectation. You've got a chance at at winning that challenge, and Shanahan simply did not have the time or the angle 
the benefit of a yeah. halfway decent review to throw the challenge flag yeah, there. So gonna, I I'm, get it. I'm not going to blow him up for that. I, again, he could have spent a timeout if in your estimation, the timeouts aren't going to matter and just in case, but, but everyone who's roasting him for not throwing that challenge would have roasted him for calling a timeout if it had turned out to be a catch. Exactly. So 49ers get the ball and they came out, they weren't afraid. They came out fierce. Um, First play was a pass to Kittle for eight. McCaffrey picked up a first down after a couple tries. Um, they hit Ayuk for a first down. Uh, and then the play that changed the game. Purdy, you know, on a play action. Tyler Croft out there on Hassan Reddick, one-on-one, um, completely, you know, whiffs. And then McGlinchey can't slow him down either. McGlinchey almost got beat by his man. Purdy gets hit as he throws. And Ayuk was apparently about to come open on a, a deep shot. Shanahan said he thought it would have been a, a big gain, if not a touchdown. Instead, the ball floats in the air, um, you know, for an eternity. And, and then, and then Purdy kind of walks off. We find out in the next drive that, that sure enough, he blew up his elbow and you, you could see him mouthing to Shanahan. I can't throw. Yeah. Nightmare. And initially with the flight of the ball, it kind of looked like it was an incomplete pass. Uh, but the it was very, very clearly on replay, very clearly a fumble. There was a clear recovery by Philadelphia. So that was obviously a game-changing moment in terms of having a turnover that early. But also, more importantly, Brock Purdy was done for the day. The game just started, and Brock Purdy is out. He's done for the day. They showed him getting work on the sidelines, but if you've watched any football games you can kind of tell when a player is going to maybe come back into a game and yeah. when they're not. If he was needing that kind of work on the elbow, he would have been in the locker room. If they thought there was a chance that he could come back in the second half, he would have gone to the locker room immediately, got treatment, some kind of an injection, brace, whatever. Obviously, you can't really do a full brace on your throwing arm, your throwing elbow, but yeah, that was basically game over. And you would love to have seen when... <laughs> When you see Hassan Reddick, who leads the team in sacks, lined up one-on-one on Tyler Croft, your backup tight end, who, I mean, he's probably a better blocker than Dwelly, but that's not saying much. I thought you were going to say he's a better blocker than Josh Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you'd love to see... Same caliber, same, yeah. same talent tier. But. You'd love to see Shanahan maybe call a timeout there if the protection is so clearly wrong, or maybe you'd like to see Purdy audible there, but... You know that early in the game, you're you're still going off of your scripted plays. That's not one where Purdy probably wants to to audible out of of Kyle's call there, um, but just a, a really bad look and a devastating result. The 49ers defense didn't quit. They forced the three and out. They stuffed uh, Gainwell to force a punt, and it was a bad punt too. It ended up being a touchback. So sure enough, you know all our fears are realized as Josh Johnson enters the game, and then Reddick. Um, again, comes unblocked, um, almost gets a strip sack. They run a Christian McCaffrey draw, you know, just a non-competitive offensive drive pretty much and, and punt it back to Philadelphia. Uh, they got a, a first down to A.J. Brown, but again, the 49ers defense, they did not quit or, or hang their head. Warner came free on a blitz. On a third and nine, they forced an overthrow. So um, they had a punt there, um, but then Bosa um, got hurt. It looked like a shank the punt did, and then a lot of disputing Eagles insisting that it hit the wire. Ref said they couldn't verify that. I think uh, it probably did weird. in that the number of players that were talking about it and the fact that their punter is not that bad. <laughs> yeah. So I think it probably likely did hit the wire, but when's the last time you saw that? You've seen some guys hit it off the jumbotron in you know uh, when they're playing in Arlington against the Cowboys, but um, yeah, it's pretty pretty rare to see a ball hit the wire like that. And then they did not have a definitive angle where they could see that. I'm sure the competition or rules committee yeah. will probably look into to addressing that, so that doesn't happen in in, in a future game. But. Yeah. The more important thing that happened on that was just the freak injury to Bosa that he's he's not even on the field. He's you know, he's on the sidelines and a, an Eagles player, their cleats end up digging into his you know, he's he's got a bloody knee and he said afterwards that he thought the cleat went at least an inch into his leg, that that he's just bleeding out of it. So and yeah, the fantastic. Eagles got called for a foul there, so the forty nine ers start at the fifty yard line, but of course it doesn't matter because why? Josh Johnson is our quarterback. Yeah. And Josh Johnson what can you say about this game? I mean, obviously, I'm sure he tried his hardest, but again, he stinks. He's terrible yep. at football. There were so many throws in this game where he's actually throwing from a clean pocket. And the one that infuriated me, I'm sure you'll get to this, but I'm just going to talk about it now, was 
this throw where Debo is coming on like a freaking two yard crosser. He is standing there in a clean pocket. He misses a two yard throw so badly that Debo can barely touch it. And the best part is if Debo had caught it, he threw it into triple coverage. Debo would have got massacred. Meanwhile, you have George Kittle standing by himself on the other side of the field and George Kittle, the eternal optimist, the guy who is gung-ho for everybody, is bent over, putting his head on his hands. He cannot believe that they missed that throw. And he instead, it was designed to go to him. Yeah. I, I think that's where you have to give Purdy some credit. The, the old, well, anyone could run this offense. Clearly not, because we haven't seen receivers throwing their hands in the air. Uh, but you did see it, even in Josh Johnson's limited action, that he clearly did not know where to go with the ball. Then he had another play yeah, on a crosser to Jawan Jennings where he's just as wide open as you can possibly be right before the half. And again, throws it basically out of bounds on a, on a wish and a prayer into double coverage. Just you talk about as bad as a quarterback could possibly look in a game. That was Josh Johnson. Yep. So after McCaffrey picked up one first down, they go delay of game sack incompletion, um, third and 20 illegal formation, <laughs> incompletion punt so that's that's fantastic 49ers defense did force another eagles punt there so the the three drives after you lose your quarterback the defense forces two three and outs and a, and a one first down punt give them give them credit the final score is never going to show the story of this game the defense was absolutely spectacular against this highly vaunted philadelphia offense obviously they put up 31 points which is a lot but when you consider that they were on the field basically the entire second half and the 49ers, again, did not have a quarterback on the roster who is capable of throwing a forward pass. Um, so when you get up and the defense knows that you're running it three times, I love how excited all the Philadelphia players were every single time the 49ers ran it on third and 14 and didn't get a first down. Yeah. Like, wow, great job, guys. Like, if man, I, I just wish I could have personally slapped a participation ribbon on every single one of those guys yeah so the 49ers they did put together one drive you know in this game uh, but mostly i mean if you could even call it that their punter really struggled even when he wasn't hitting wires ray ray had a return to the philadelphia 45 i should mention too that with them backed up there lane johnson committed false starts that were not called and it was driving me crazy they really should have been pinned even further but whatever um, they get a screen to mccaffrey for nine and then a run for a first down another catch for nine a qb sneak forward gets another first down and then after an incompletion mccaffrey made the 49ers play of the game with a ridiculous td run people that he either knocked over or stiff-armed or beat on that play included epps Darius slay and gardner johnson a 23 yard touchdown where it was just just super impressive and it ties the game so as badly as things are going you go seven to seven and you you try to talk yourself into well maybe if 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 we could just do that you know and maybe like if the defense if the defense comes up big the problem is the defense had already come up big they came up with more stops than they should have had already to this point to get you tied to seven and then of course that's when the wheels basically just came off got to give so much credit to christian mccaffrey he came in and absolutely changed this team yep and what a spectacular run. That was like an all-time playoffs highlight run from McCaffrey that nobody's going to remember yeah. because the 49ers just got absolutely wrecked in this game. But Christian McCaffrey carried the ball 15 times for 84 yards. That's a 5.6-yard average in a game where we did not have a quarterback on the roster yeah. who could throw a forward pass. So just unbelievable what McCaffrey was able to do. Again, the, the Eagles' run defense is nothing special. We've talked about that before, but unbelievable to average 5.6 yards a carry in a game where running is literally the only option. Yeah. The defense forced another um, almost three and out, but on fourth and one from their own 30, again, Sirianni just so aggressive, managed to, to pick it up. Um, <laughs> which is just very frustrating. It would have been would have been great to get a punt there as the the second quarter was coming to a close. Uh, Mooney Ward had great coverage on a deep shot um, to, to to Smith. We should note he had a good game, very solid game. It was nice to see him return to form again. Add that to the list of things that didn't matter at all. Yeah. Then one of the more frustrating plays of the game, um, AJ Brown and Jimmy Ward, who were going at it the whole time, had some you know some hand fighting and and some you know 
just competitive play on kind of a slant from AJ Brown, and AJ Brown decided to just spin. I've never seen a wide receiver I haven't do either. this. I never. But even though Ward didn't have him hooked or anything, AJ Brown just decided to spin, and the the refs clearly had never seen anything like that either. So they assumed it must have been must be holding, must be holding. So they throw a flag, and then we get an illegal hands to face. Um, on ninety six, is it McGill? Ninety six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know. And it should have been offsetting because he was completely being held on that play. But no, no offsetting penalties. It's just on the 49ers. There is a false start there, but then Gainwell finally picked it up a little bit. He had a first down, a 17-yarder. Um, and then you get all the way down to the two-minute warning. Um, then you get a flag on Mooney Ward, the third of the drive, and Sanders. So ticky-tacky. Yeah, like, yeah. barely touched him. Like, come on. Yeah, really, guys? My my comment was, well, that's that looked like football to me. And then with a minute and 31 seconds left, Sanders gets his second virtually untouched run in for a touchdown to make it 14 to seven. So you wondered at that point, you know, with, you know, less than a minute and a half, would the 49ers try to at least get a field goal, you know, cut the deficit to 14 to 10 so that getting the ball out of halftime, you have the chance to take the lead. And they did throw on the first play, Josh yeah, Johnson, maybe his only, like, that was one of his maybe two acceptable yeah, throws in the game. They hit Debo for a first down slant and then just the ultimate choke job there He's in the shotgun. Snap hits him in the hands. He's already like looking for the blitz, afraid of getting hit or whatever. Ball bounces twice, doesn't fall on it, tries to like pick it up, and then offensive line gets pushed back, a tangle of feet. Somehow he, I don't know how, because he was he was over it for about three seconds. His body was over the ball, fails to recover it. It's recovered by Hassan Reddick instead. And so not only are you down 14 to seven, you're giving them the ball back right in your territory. And then Greenlaw um, gets called for a face mask that moves them into first and goal, which technically was, um, you know, that's just been an issue for him all year. He just cannot avoid these 15-yard personal foul penalties. But then Boston Scott, I guess we're just the theme of the day for the Eagles, is going to be the Niners defense is great right up until you get an untouched rushing touchdown. So just a devastating sequence. And suddenly they go up 21-7 to right before halftime, and it just feels completely hopeless at that point. And yeah, again, if you're like me or somebody that listens to this podcast and agrees with me, you felt completely hopeless the second Brock Purdy exited the game. Running theme in this show. But it was crazy to see you talked about all of these penalties. We know, I know, you know that complaining about penalties is kind of like the number one amateurish, yeah, yeah, sour grapes, amateur, amateur hour, uh, Homer thing. But we don't do that. We really don't. If if you've listened to this podcast before, we always make a note of the penalties. But when the penalties are fair or at least questionable. We say that. We say, look, if you're, you know, if you're a 49ers fan, obviously you like that call. Not so much if you're on the other side. If it's any kind of judgment call or questionable, we acknowledge that. In this case, the penalties, most of the penalties were just absolute utter BS. The the <laughs> the 49ers were penalized 11 times in this game for 81 yards. They had six penalties in their previous two games and 11 in this one to four for Philadelphia, four for 34 yards. We've mentioned some of the penalties specifically, but again, I think my personal favorite was the one where J.P. Mason on special teams is going to block a punt. Yeah. He is massively held. He he is clotheslined. The guard ha- or tackle, whoever it was, had his arm fully extended as J.P. Mason is behind him. So he's being massively held, no call. Then he gets pushed, so he gets released and pushed into the kicker. Yeah. So the contact is extremely minimal. Yeah. But they don't call running into the kicker. They call roughing the kicker, which, which is, is a 15-yard yeah. penalty. And is meant to be called for when you you run into their plant to leg. To the plant legs. Did he touch his plant leg? No. Yeah. No. So, so he ran into the kicking leg. Should have been Again, holding. because he was pushed. It should have been holding. It should have been holding on the Eagles. But instead, we get the full automatic first down penalty instead of the five-yard version which would have made it fourth and one. Would the Eagles have gone for it on fourth and one? Yeah, probably. Would they have picked it up? Statistics say probably yes. That being said, that was a clear-cut case of just absolute garbage, garbage officiating. So I'm going to call a spade a spade. This was the worst officiated game I have seen for the 49ers this year. There have been times where we were penalized like nine or ten times, 
but a good majority of those were dumb plays by somebody, you know, again, doing something stupid or, you know, judgment calls where you can kind of see it either way. I don't know what the umpires, what the refs were doing in this game, basically, when you know that it's hopeless, right? Yeah. The game is like, over. G- give us a chance. The game is over as soon as Brock Purdy exits the game. So give the 49ers a chance at least. Let them play somewhat. And for God's sake, like call something on the Eagles. Like like a false start, especially when they're actually committing. Yeah, like them. a false start or, or they, a they, holding they or offsetting. Make it offsetting at least in, in some of these cases where the Eagles are clearly committing they had a guy, actual penalties. They had a guy jump offside on defense that wasn't called. So we pride ourselves on this podcast with trying to provide you with excellent analysis. But after the Eagles went up 21 to 7, here in my halftime notes, let me see what I have written out for stats. I have, who cares? <laughs> Yeah, it, it doesn't <laughs> I mean, matter. Just, just felt like it was over. So the 49ers get the ball coming out of the half. They did get a, you know, I wrote down that it was a miracle. They got a, a first down um, to George Kittle, but then Josh Johnson. What an indictment on the Eagles defense there. Yeah, Josh Johnson back to earth with a delay of game, his third, and then almost throws an interception. He gets hit, head goes to the turf, and Purdy comes in. Again, we're not making light of Josh Johnson as a person. I'm sorry for his family. I hope his head feels better in the morning. Um, clearly he's in the concussion protocol, but you know, so the 49ers end up, you know, just having to give the ball back there. Philadelphia goes three and out again, and another horrible punt is returned to the 45. But again, you're down two touchdowns. And from what you've seen, you just know that it's hopeless. Purdy comes back in at that point because Josh Johnson is headed to the locker room. And I, I have written LOL in my notes. That was where they, the non-offsides was called. But Debo ends up with a loss of four. So instead of having first and five, you're looking at second and 14. And when Purdy came back in, there was some quixotic notions of like, well, maybe, he'll just maybe it's... Gut it out. Yeah, he'll gut it out. He'll be able to throw. But he made one like screen toss to McCaffrey where he threw it basically the way um, my wife and your wife would throw it. And it was very clear that that was the best he could do. My wife has a little bit more zip than that. I'm not sure about yours, but... <laughs> yeah. So punt down to the eight. Philadelphia got a few first downs. And then there was that that punt roughing that we talked about where it's just, just infuriating. Um, you know, anyway... Um, a late hit on Hufunga later in that drive where the 49ers, you could see the frustration. I think they knew at that point the game was over. That was and a late it was hit. Like, it was like, if you guys are, if you're going to flag us for every little thing that shouldn't even be a penalty, fine. We we will give you, <laughs> I'll give you something to throw a flag for. And they started just kind of roughing up the Eagles. Yeah, I we don't want to encourage, we don't want to encourage like dirty Injury play or anything or, like that. But, you know, he was clearly out of bounds and he didn't push him hard, but it was definitely a penalty. So there you go, right? We're not being homers. We fully acknowledge that was a late hit should not have happened and it was half the distance to the goal if you're huff there i can't say i blame you this was an unbelievably frustrating game where it feels like you're playing against the eagles and the zebras and what are you supposed to do just what are you supposed to do in a situation like that yeah so eagles score a touchdown there to go up 28 to 7 um mccaffrey gets a first down but it's the end of the third quarter in the fourth quarter um you know, Greenlaw was was flagged for um, trying to punch the ball out. They said the whistle had blown. I don't know. They were very I didn't slow. Hear I didn't hear it, and they were very slow to um, to call forward progress. But you know, field goal there. That was a theme in this game too. They they were not calling forward progress at all. Christian McCaffrey got absolutely lit up on one. It's like where's the whistle? He's been standing there for two or three seconds. Somebody comes flying in and knocks him on his butt. It's like, do you did you swallow the whistle? I mean, clearly you've been been working it all night, but not on forward progress for some reason. So I don't know what's going on with that, but yeah. So anyway, field goal makes it thirty-one to seven. 49ers, They brought in McCaffrey, you know, with like a trick play in completion, and it was funny. The um, the commentators I had it written down. They said, uh, "What's the procedure for the officiating crew here after a scrum?" And I just said, "We'll throw a flag on the 49ers. That was where Trent Williams just kind of lost his mind. That you know, with the Eagles, they were, you know, that play. They didn't say a word about this, but that scrum near the end of the game, where you know multiple people were ejected. Basically, what happened was Brandon Ayuk, who I'm sure started it because he's got a mouth on him, but he got thrown to the ground well after the whistle. That wasn't flagged. But then when the 49ers tried to come to his defense, then suddenly, you know, that's when the penalty flags fly. And, and Williams, he should have been ejected because he literally yep. picked up an obnoxious Eagles player and threw him to the ground. But it's like, fine, if the refs aren't going to call them for throwing Ayuk to the ground, I'm going to defend my guy. He At least not, give him something to think about. Would not let go. So 
anyway, that's that was pretty much the game at that point. You know, thirty-one to seven, season over. Eagles celebrating. You know, there's not much to analyze from this game because it wasn't a game. You the know, commentators were terrible too. I mean, what can you say in a game that is over? like with five minutes to go in the first quarter, as soon as Brock Purdy exits the game. Yep. But they were gushing about the Eagles. And spoiler alert, the Eagles did not play well in this game. They no. did not play well at all. Yep. Their offensive line blocked well when they started in you know our own 30 or 20-yard line. But Jalen Hurts was off multiple times in this game he missed every single deep shot he took massively uh the one to Devonte smith was you know a nice almost catch but that doesn't even his, count his arm looked weak not not just on the deep shots but on throws across the field i i just remember telling you like if if the eagles look like this in two weeks they are going to get absolutely boat raced by whichever team comes out exactly the and that's the thing again the, the broadcasters olsen has kind of become like this media darling where he's sort of taking over for tony romo um, in terms of the best sort of play-by-play broadcaster in the league, he was gushing about how great the Eagles were. Jalen Hurts had 121 yards for a 4.8 yards per attempt and a QB rating of 72.3. And the, that's the QB rating that goes up to 158.3, not 100, okay? So Hurts was crap in this game. Yes, he didn't really need to do anything because the 49ers did not have a quarterback who could throw a forward pass. However... Again, 121 yards, no touchdowns, with a 4.8 yards per attempt. The leading receiver on the day for the Eagles was Devontae Smith with 36 yards, 29 of which were illegitimate because yep. he did not catch the ball. Ball hit the ground. Unbelievable. 3.4 so, yards per carry for them. They they really didn't do anything well nothing. Other, other than injure quarterbacks and and say thank you to the refs for all of the penalties. That's basically what the Eagles did well. So all game. of that to say, in a game that went down as 31-7, to 7, if you watch the game and you're listening to the commentators, you're like, oh, wow, the Eagles, yeah, they, they really did. I mean, obviously wow. the, mm-hmm. the injury to Purdy was not ideal, but you know the, the Eagles really did play well. They didn't. They played pretty much like garbage. If they play like this against Cincinnati or Kansas City, they are going to get steamrolled. Yeah. The Eagles are better than this, and I think they can play better, but the 49ers clearly came out in this one. They had a plan defensively. They were executing outside of that first opening drive where they surrendered a touchdown. The defense was lights out. If Brock Purdy is even mildly healthy in this game, there's a really, really good chance that the 49ers are headed to the Super Bowl this week. And now, instead, you have yet again another quarterback controversy. So what do you do going into next year now that you have another quarterback who has ended the year injured? Yeah. Before we do that, I do want to get in one last gripe about the officiating. <laughs> if we're if we're going to go there, let's go there. That play where Josh Johnson got the concussion, Sue landed on him. Yep. You know, he he absolutely any sure any did. other any other quarterback who is not Josh Johnson gets that call. Wouldn't have changed the outcome of the game, you know, at all, but just worth noting, quarterback gets slammed to the ground, no flag. Uh, but yeah, as you mentioned, another quarterback controversy, and not just at quarterback. You know, Jimmy Ward is a free agent. Mike McGlinchey, do you bring him back? You know, Emmanuel Mosley is going to be coming off. Are an you going to pay Jimmy Ward like a cornerback or a safety? Yeah, Al Shire, Brunskill, Gibson, who was so good this year, Jennings. I don't, I don't, I think he's an unrestricted free agent just because he was a seventh rounder, so he doesn't have like the the full four year contract. So a lot of decisions for the 49ers. We do have a lot of mid to late round picks to play with, but you do have to replace at least, you know, two, three, four, you know, starters or significant role players. So it'll be interesting to see that. But yeah, it's the quarterbacks again. What do you do about the quarterback situation? You now have Trey Lance who has gotten hurt in both years and looks like when he gets to the top of his drop that he doesn't know where to go with the ball. And you have Brock Purdy who played amazingly well, but with a couple caveats, he was averaging like on completions. There was some crazy stat, like five yards of separation from the wide receivers, and he is small and got hurt. So, you know, I'll throw it to you. You know, we we have to start next year with two quarterbacks, presumably in the room or active on game days. Who do you think those two quarterbacks should be, and what should be the pecking order? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard. You you saw Jimmy Garoppolo at multiple times, kind of smiling during this game, a game where there was not a lot to smile about. And there's a lot of memes going around where it's like, ah, oh, when your company's going down in flames, but it's your last day. <laughs> yeah. So, 
I would be shocked, stunned, flabbergasted if Jimmy Garoppolo is on the opening day roster next year. Yeah. But who knows? I mean, yeah, like you said, we've got Trey Lance, who seems to be more injury prone than Jimmy Garoppolo. Lance played in two games in his first year. I think it was Houston and Arizona. He sprained his knee in one of those games, missed multiple weeks, would have missed multiple weeks. Um, they were planning to ride with him, but they couldn't because of his injuries. And then this year, he's the starter. He plays against the Bears, plays like one series or two series, and then breaks his foot again. So he is less durable than Jimmy Garoppolo. You've got Jimmy Garoppolo, who, again, it, there's, there's just no way he's on the team next year, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got Brock Purdy. I think the one guy in that room you absolutely cannot afford to get rid of is Brock Purdy because simply the stats. At least yes. he knows how to run the offense. Yeah, I mean, obviously he was he was surrounded by weapons. But again, what did Josh Johnson do with those weapons? Absolutely nothing. So you do actually have to have talent to play quarterback in the NFL. And maybe that's why there are fewer than 32 human beings on the planet who have that job. Everyone acts like, oh, well, it's the weapons, it's the weapons. There are 32 quarterbacks, 32 human males on the planet who are playing quarterback, and not all of those guys are doing a good job. There are fewer than 32 good quarterbacks on planet Earth, okay? Um, So Purdy, since he came in, basically led the league in any meaningful quarterback statistic. So if you are the best quarterback, the best quarterback in the NFL of those 32, I think it would certainly be reasonable to expect that he is kind of the front runner for the job. I don't know with Trey Lance's contract and his expectations, if they are going to kind of open that up to a QB competition in, in training camp. I have no idea, but once again, Kyle Shanahan is in this perpetual hell of unbelievably dramatic quarterback carousel and controversy so i'll put it to you this way with the 49ers and the way we seem to just be sort of cursed with these injuries and the timing of this are you comfortable with this defense and this roster coming into next year with trey lance and brock purdy as the two quarterbacks on the roster or do you want to bring someone in from the outside i'm more comfortable with brock purdy than trey lance but you can't if you try and trade Trey Lance right now, you're not going to get anything for him because he's super injury prone and nobody knows if he can play quarterback or not. Yeah. Brock Purdy, you at least know if he can play, but but what do you do? I mean, like you said, if those are your two guys, what I would love to see is the NFL to get rid of this really stupid 53-man roster, but you can only have 46 of them active. Look at the product for the NFC Championship yeah. game. How how many Americans turned off this game? when they realized, okay, the 49ers do not have a quarterback who is capable of throwing a forward pass. How many Americans turned off their TVs or did something else or changed the channel? Yeah. You know, is it is it fair to say that, that it would be a better game if we maybe allowed teams to actually roster a third quarterback in cases like this and you're not penalizing them? That's what I would like to see. Not sure if that'll ever happen, but... Yeah, in terms of which quarterbacks you take into camp, I think Purdy is the only one right now of the three that you say absolutely is a lock guarantee to be on the roster. Whether you open up a competition with him and Derek Carr or Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, who knows? I mean, would you rather, I mean, would you would you want to sign one of those guys, trade Trey Lance just because of the salary and kind of you know, go, go with a vet and, and keep yeah, Purdy with, as the best backup option. So, so with Lance, I think it's more of a dead money situation because of where he is with his contract. I just worry that if you're going into next year with this defense, so, so what we're going in with, with two very young, you know, injury prone. Now you, you can say, well, Purdy's not injury prone. It's like, well, he's slightly injury prone just by nature of the fact that, that he's six he's foot undersized. One, yeah. yeah. That he's undersized and he's going to get clobbered a lot. I just don't know how you just trust that fate will be kinder next year and you bring in two young, you know, smallish or injury prone quarterbacks. I think you have to at least consider bringing in Derek Carr, Tom Brady, Rogers probably won't be available because they want to trade him to the AFC, but okay. Derek Carr and Tom Brady, I think you have to at least consider it in which case you have to pick one of the young kids to give up on. And I think it's obvious that you have to give up on Lance because Brock Purdy immediately becomes the best backup quarterback in football as proven by the fact that he was the backup quarterback and took you on an eight game um, eight game winning streak as a starter yeah. as a starter as a starter so 
I don't know, like I said, it may just be the emotion of the moment, but if it were me, I would very strongly consider bringing in someone and giving up on Lance because if you don't, you are committing to having those two guys in the room and the risk of <laughs> of once again needing a third quarterback late in the playoffs. And after today, that cannot happen. One quarterback I will say that I do not want to see on the team is Josh freaking Johnson. I yep. don't want him on the team. I don't want him on the practice squad. I don't want him on the coaching staff. I don't want him in any way affiliated with the San Francisco 49ers. You know, in The Incredibles, <laughs> when it's syndrome as a child trying to like ride the coattails of Mr. Incredible and he says, you're not affiliated with me. That's what I would like to do. <laughs> fly I, home, buddy. Fly home, buddy. I would fly home, Josh. You are not affiliated with us. <laughs> If he is on the team next year, I am going to get on a plane from Southwest Florida, fly to the Bay Area, and pick it, get him off the team. I told you guys, I told you, I am so salty about this. You will never understand how salty I am right now. I'm just barely holding it together. I think somehow our listeners understand. (laughs) Well, we're going to look forward to the draft and our zero picks in the first two days, and we're going to wish D'Amico Ryans well as he moves on and takes a head coaching job elsewhere. We're going to get ready to support Jimmy Ward and all the other people who likely will not be back. And somehow after the depression of this moment, we will all certainly be back in September telling ourselves it will be different, even though it, it it's really, it it's really hard. It's, it's so hard to make the playoffs. It's so hard to advance in the playoffs, to get to the conference championship, to get to the Super Bowl. It is so hard to get there and to be there to clearly be a better team and to, to lose like this, it's devastating. So if you're devastated, we feel you. Again, if you've made it this far, thanks for listening. I mean, we're, we're talking about it. We're in the grieving process, but not sure what you guys are doing listening to this uh, horrible, horrible recap of a horrible game. So anyway, thank, thanks for listening, everybody. Not sure how many yeah. more episodes we're going to be doing after this. Certainly going to take a break after this week, uh, again, to begin the grieving process, which I, I don't know where acceptance is, but I, I'm not quite there yet. Be nice to your families. Don't take it out on them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to do it for us this week. If you enjoyed our podcast, I don't know how you could, but please be sure <laughs> to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter for more 49ers content and venting. We'll see you next time. We are the Niners Bros. Go Niners. Go Niners.